Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple reminder to keep God in the forefront of all we do. Whenever we lose sight of the significance of God and get caught up with the um, insignificance of an instrument, we will prove to be unwise. The answer is that all are nothing except for the Lord and fellow workers in the work of the kingdom who are following the Lord because they belong to the Lord. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Fame, fortune, and significance. These are generally the pursuits of those in prominence, and sometimes even those leading the church. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the true roots of Christian leadership, and he uses the example of the Apostle Paul to do so. So let's join our teacher in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 for today's intriguing message, How Do You Judge God's Servants? Paul instructed the Corinthians about the wrong perspective of apostles, the ministers of God. Paul corrected their judgment. Take note in verse 1, the apostle Paul declared they were to view a man of God and the man that God uses, the apostles, as the property of God. This is important. Listen to his words. Let a man so consider us. Now, notice the apostle declared they were to account these men, the apostles, as subordinates of Christ. Subordinates. He says, as servants of Christ. They were to account these men, the apostles, as men accountable to God. Listen to his words. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul uses a different word to give a more complete picture of God's servant here. The steward of God, notice, was entrusted with the gospel to increase the proclamation of the good news to lost sinners. Now look at verse 2. The apostles were to be loyal to Christ as his servants and stewards. Very important. Listen, moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Paul stated the individual accountability was to the Lord. Very important. Paul corrected the Corinthian judgment of an apostle. Notice secondly now verse 3 and 4. Paul critiqued their judgment of him as an apostle. In verse 3, the apostle Paul declared to them that he was neither impressed nor discouraged by their human judgment of him. Listen to his words. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. He's speaking about their subjective conclusion about him, not objective truth. We are to judge words, actions, morals, conduct, when it deviates from Scripture and when what is being taught is contrary to Scripture. That's a given. The context here is subjective, not objective truth. Now the word judged means to examine, scrutinize, and investigate as a judge and decide a final verdict. This is what they were doing. He's referring to a set collective group judgment. He's, he's, he's using kind of irony here. He's not talking about literal course, but that a group of people, not only individual would pass judgment, but a group of them would pass judgment on him. Okay? As a court. It wasn't based on any facts. 
This was due to two things. They were judging with worldly wisdom, being carnal. Chapter 1, 2, and 3. And they were unable to see the motive of the heart. There's the problem. The apostle knew that the understanding of the Corinthians about the church body and its various teachers and leaders was wrong. Absolutely wrong. They had exalted one over another among themselves. I'm a Paul. I'm a Paulus. I'm a Peter. And we're a Christ. They had divided the church into factions of men. Now notice the Apostle Paul then declared to them that he did not trust his self-judgment. Middle of three, down to four. Paul said he didn't trust the examination of himself. Listen to his words. In fact, I do not even judge myself. The word for judge, again, is to examine, investigate, as a judge, to decide. The apostle was not saying that he never judged himself in terms of what he did, why he did it. For we are clearly to judge ourselves. We're to examine ourselves, okay? The apostle is only saying that he did not trust in his self-examination and decision to be the final judgment as the absolute truth about himself. He examined himself, but he'll move on to say, I didn't find anything, but that, that doesn't mean I'm right. The reason being is that, once again, Paul's judgment is human. He's like the Corinthians, right? He's not perfect. He's imperfect. He's biased and equally unable to be certain of the motive of the heart. Then Paul the Apostle, notice there at the end of 4, declared that he depended and trusted in the Lord's judgment. But he who judges me is the Lord. His own judgment does not justify him. The Lord's judgment could and would justify him. The Lord Jesus would hold him accountable for his service and stewardship. No one else. A six-year-old lad came home with a notice from his teacher in which it was suggested that he be taken out of school. As he was too stupid to learn, the boy was Thomas Edison. Alfred Tennyson's grandfather gave him 10 shillings for writing a eulogy on his grandmother, handing it to the lad. The old man said, quote, There, that is the first money you ever earn by your poetry, and take my word for it, it will be the last. Benjamin Franklin's mother-in-law hesitated at letting her daughter marry a printer. There were two printing offices in the United States, and she feared that the country might not be able to support a third. <laughs> Too often we allow the judgment of others to discourage us from being used of God, or to condemn us, ladies and gentlemen. The believer is not to judge in a critical, censorious spirit, finding fault with everything. If you believe that's your gift, go bury it. It's not a gift. 
to curse. And it's due to the fact that others will judge you in the same manner. It'll come back to you. Here you are trying to take a speck, a sliver out of that brother's eye, and you've got a big 4 by 4 in yours. Jesus says, remove the 4 by 4 first, then you can help your brother. It's a form of hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and that judgment, okay? Now, the world is quick to tell you, oh, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't judge. No, it doesn't. Matthew 7, he's talking, don't judge sincerely, hypocritically, like a, like a Pharisee. But you are obligated to make judgments. Somebody tries to break in your house, you better make a judgment. He's a thief. Someone assaults you and pulls out a gun, he's a potential murderer. You're going to say he's there to entertain you? The believer is under no condemnation in Christ Jesus, walking after the Spirit. For all sins have been forgiven and forgotten and buried in the deepest ocean. And they don't exist. Romans 8, 1. Now, learn to distinguish, ladies and gentlemen, between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation comes from Satan, others, or yourself. When they rub your nose in sins you have confessed, abandoned, and they're forgiven. Conviction is the Holy Spirit convicting you for being in sin. What are you doing there? You're a Christian. What are you doing living with your girlfriend? You're a Christian. What are you doing getting drunk? Conviction. Condemnation is of Satan, others, and you. For sins have been forgiven and abandoned. No condemnation does in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. Psalm 139, 23-24 says, I know in part, so I am of to pray that God search my heart and know my heart and try me and see if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because I can't trust myself. Lord, search me. Paul critiqued their judgment of him as an apostle. Thirdly, in verse 5 through 7, Paul confirmed the righteous judgment of all, including apostles. In 5, the apostle Paul gave a threefold conclusion to this, his instruction. Paul said, no man is to judge nothing or anything before the Lord's coming. Listen to him carefully. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. The word therefore indicates in conclusion. In view of the fact of all that I have said. From chapter 1 verse 10 on to now. The word to judge. Means again to pronounce judgment or preside over with such power of giving a judicial decision. This of course does not mean that we do not judge I can't say it enough. We're to judge what's moral, what's ethical, what's true, what is false. And that's compared to the Bible. Not my own subjective opinion, but objective truth. The Bible is objective truth. The word time, you're familiar with it, kairos. It means a specific time. Can be used for a season like winter, spring, an hour, a specific hour, a specific week. Here it's for the bema seat of Christ. When the church is raptured, we will go before the bema seat of Christ. If you're with us in our series in the second coming, and we will be judged by Jesus for all that we've done. The bema seat of Christ takes place in heaven after the rapture. Notice Paul said, "No mistake will be made by the Lord." 
it will be perfect. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. There's the key. Jesus will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Those things that no one else knows about us. Except Jesus. Knows everything. Jesus will reveal the counsels of the heart. In other words, our motives. Why we did the things we did. To people or for people. Or against people. How we did them. Our attitude. Jesus is not going to be concerned about the amount of things you've done. Or the number of people you've ministered to. He's going to be interested if you did what he called you to do and how and why you did it. And I. Wow. Paul said no one. No man will be shortchanged at the Lord's judgment. Oh, this is good. Listen. Then each one's praise will come from God. Then each one will have the the praise. The article is there. That will come from God at the works that have endured the fire. Silver, gold, or precious stone. 1 Corinthians 3.14. That material that can only be turned into permanency and purified. Refined. In the future... Hearing, well done, that good and faithful servant. Then each one's loss will also be revealed as they are burned up in the fire. 1 Corinthians 3.15 Wood, hay, or stubble. But even though everything is consumed, you're saved as by fire. Why? Because you're saved. You're at the beam of seat of Christ. They don't grab you by the nap of the neck and the seat of the pants and throw you down to hell if you have no reward. That's a believer. You don't want to be the white throne judgment. Those that reject Jesus Christ will end up in the white throne judgment, the taste of the second death. And they get taken from hell into the lake of fire. Gehenna. By the way, Satan doesn't run hell. Jesus does. It's a place of punishment. Not a place of hanging out with Lucifer. Okay? Get your theology right. Notice verse 6. The Apostle Paul makes a threefold application now of his teaching. All that Paul has said was to be applied figuratively to Paul and Apollos for this benefit. The benefit of the Corinthians. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. The reason being that they were apostles and ministers of God for the gospel. He wanted the light to come on for the Corinthians. The reason being that they were two of the men chosen by the Corinthians to divide the church. I'm of Paul. I'm of Paulus. They were servants and stewards of Jesus. Not man. See, some of you guys think I'm the greatest thing since ice cream. Until I step on your toes. Until you disagree with what I tell you the word of God says. Then you have a hard time with me. It can be a week, it can be a month, it can be a year, it can be a decade. But when you don't want to obey the word of God, then you're going to accuse me. It's just that simple. I've been around for a long time. It happens. It's a heartbreak. But it happens. Notice all that applied to Paul and Apollos had a reason. That they be humble. That they not think beyond what the scriptures declared an apostle to be. Or a servant. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. They were to be subordinate servants to the teaching of scriptures. 
the scriptures, the Old Testament. That's the final authority. Don't go beyond it. Paul says, where, where, where are you getting this judgmental, subjective, prideful, arrogant, worldly wisdom? Out of what book in the Old Testament? What period of history? <laughs> they were not to think in a conceited manner beyond the teachings of what is written in the Old Testament. They were to do all things in accord with the scriptures. Pride and human wisdom is condemned throughout it. All the scriptures taught about servants and stewards would be of a great benefit to the Corinthians in two ways. Listen, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. That they not be puffed up with pride. Present tense. That's where they were at. Don't continue. Let the scriptures instruct you. Humble yourself. Take the lower seat. That they would not in pride choose one person against another as they had with Apollos, Paul, Peter, even among themselves. And then, verse 7. The Apostle Paul gave an exhortation of his teaching in a form of rebuke here by a threefold rhetorical question. Now you know rhetorical questions have an obvious answer. Paul said, for who makes you to differ from another? The question again is who distinguishes you from another? What's the answer? No one. The question reveals their foolishness for he has revealed already and stated that human judgment is imperfect and biased based on pride, right? The answer is that all are nothing except for the Lord and fellow workers in the work of the kingdom who are following the Lord because they belong to the Lord. But if we remove ourselves from that and we believe we belong to each other and we live our life through our culture, through carnality, then we're completely off base. Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. That's the answer. If you say a few things, you get an F. He already told them that God gave them grace according to the calling for enabling them in chapter 3, verse 5 and 10. He exposed their foolishness in any boasting in chapter 3, verse 21, where he says, Therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Why would you limit yourself to one or two people? All teachers, all the body, it's all for the benefit of you. What are you doing grading these guys? He says, now, if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? If indeed you did receive it, there's no reason to boast. Because they did receive it. Why are you acting as if you didn't receive it? It is self-deception. Chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become what? Wise. What's the wisdom of the world? Philosophy. Self. Subjectivism. What's the wisdom of God? The gospel. It is pride that feeds 
it completely. Chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord Yahweh knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile, vain, empty. Court cases sometimes are labeled Stevenson versus the people or Jones versus Texas. And one person says, sometimes I wonder what great sin the person did to be against so many persons. But at the last judgment, ladies and gentlemen, every case will be labeled I versus God. Ever think about that? Whenever we lose sight of the significance of God and get caught up with the um, insignificance of an instrument, we will prove to be unwise. Uh, Paul the Apostle, as you know, he's already indicating some attacks on his apostleship. He won't fully defend it till the second letter. But in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he puts it this way. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Are you ready for the measure? Christ. How are we doing? I'm not your measure. I'm not the plumb line. It's Jesus and the word of God. Whoever boasts of what they have received or done in Christ, they're deceived by pride. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 13.10, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 6.16-19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to Him. A proud look. First on the list, pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Wow. One put it this way. I dreamed death came the other night, and heaven's gates swung wide. With kindly grace, an angel ushered me inside. And there, to my astonishment, stood folks I'd known on earth. Some I judge and label unfit or of little worth. Indignant words rose to my lips, but never were set free. For every face showed stunned surprise no one expected me. Paul confirmed the righteous judgment of all, including apostles. Great instruction by Paul to the Corinthians about the wrong perspective of apostles and ministers of God. By these three ways, Paul corrected their judgment of an apostle. Paul critiqued their judgment of him as an apostle. And Paul confirmed the righteous judgment of all including apostles. This is good stuff for the church, ladies and gentlemen. I need it. You need it. This is where the church is missing it today. The church is not teaching the Word of God. 
So God is not able to do all that he wants to do. May God give us wisdom and learn. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing today with a provoking reminder of our position in God's kingdom. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study titled, How Do You Judge God's Servants? As always, it's available for just $4. And this will contain much more material than we had time to share with you during today's broadcast, including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is, How Do You Judge God's Servants? Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Sexual immorality can be found almost everywhere around us. But what's the proper way to handle an improper relationship in the church? Listen in as Pastor Xavier Reese discusses this important topic on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com